0: again with me to the book of Luke in chapter 4. We've been speaking on the subject of the anointing. I felt strongly on my heart to teach along the lines of the anointing, and there is so much that there is to cover on the subject of the anointing. But I've also made it very clear that this is one message that totally transformed my life. I believe the reason or one of the reasons I'm standing here today is because of the anointing. This message radically changed my life. I consider the anointing as a classic message of revival. As you know, this church is a church in revival. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There are so many things that we can talk about with regards to revival, but the anointing is one of those top subjects On the subject of revival, you can't say you have revival without the presence of God. Amen. Have you found Luke chapter 4? Let's read from verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we understand, as we have been teaching along these lines, that the anointing comes upon you for a reason. I want to say for a reason. reason. There's so much, like I said, we can say with regards to the anointing, but I believe this is one of the most basic things that you've got to understand when you talk about the anointing. It's always given for a reason. In other words, if you don't have a reason, you don't need the anointing. The anointing is not given to us so that we play around in church. It's not given to us so that we feel good. It does make us feel good, but it's not for that purpose. The ultimate purpose why God anoints you it's because He wants you to use the anointing for a reason. As we can see here in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is speaking. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, I want to say because. Amen. Now, you must not miss that because. The because is there for a reason. The because is the reason. Can someone say amen? amen. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Is that correct? So we understand that Jesus was anointed. Where did the anointing come upon Jesus? You've got to understand he was born, right? And at the age of 12, we see Jesus go to the temple. Is that correct? But you see, you don't hear so much about Jesus anymore. You heard about him when he was born. You heard about him when he was 12. But you don't hear about him again until he was 30. Is that right? He comes to the Jordan River and John the Baptist was baptizing people that would come to him. Because we understand John the Baptist was a prophet that came to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness saying, prepare you the way of the Lord and make his path straight. So John the Baptist was that voice that came to prepare. Prepare what? Prepare the way of the Lord. What does that mean? Prepare people's hearts to receive Christ. Come on, I say amen. Amen. And so Jesus comes to John the Baptist who was baptizing people unto repentance. Today, this evening, we shall have what a baptism. But it's important to understand the baptism we have today. From the baptism John had. But we understand the word Baptize means to deep, to immerse, to, to subdue, to put under. So when you are baptized today, you will be dipped, immersed, subdued into water, put under water. Can someone say amen? amen? But Jesus comes and Jesus says to John the Baptist, I want you to baptize me. John the Baptist insisted that, no, it's not right. I can baptize you. John the Baptist, of course, knowing who Jesus was. Is that correct? No, no, no. I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You baptize me so that we fulfill all righteousness. This is the right way of doing it. In other words, John the Baptist, you are the man of God. And I've come to honor you. And I've come to submit to your ministry. You know, some people are so big, they submit to nobody. Jesus said, no, this is the right way of doing it in the kingdom. I've come and I'm going to submit to you because you are the anointed man of God. So you baptize me. Let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's show people how things are done. So Jesus humbles himself and Jesus was baptized by John. The Bible says when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like, to say like, like a dove. He came like a dove. He is not a dove. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. You see symbols today of the Holy Spirit as a bird. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He is not a bird. The Holy Spirit is God. There are three that bears record in heaven. The Father... The Word and the Spirit, and these three are one. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And can I tell you, we live in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Come on, say amen. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. It's not a wind. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. I believe it's John 16. Jesus said, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come. He. I want to emphasize He. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. Come on now, say amen. Amen. When he, the spirit of truth, or the life-giving spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak. And he will show you things to come. He will take from me and he shall show unto thee. He is a person. He is a don't you know that you are the house of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Today, most churches, most Christians say that religiously. But they have no understanding of what Paul is saying. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God and the fellowship. Everyone said the fellowship. Fellowship. You can't fellowship with something that doesn't have life. You fellowship with something that has life that can interact. The Holy Spirit is a person and He interacts. He has a voice. I said He has a voice. I said he has a voice. In John 10, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, the voice of a stranger. They will not follow. And I think that is one of the major problems in the church today. And that's why many are running here and there like a chicken with his head chopped off. Because they don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that speaks to us today. But you cannot fully understand Him and know Him until you desire Him. He is a person, not a bird. He is a person, not a wind. He is a person, not an oil. Come on now, say amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a person. And because He is a person, you can talk to Him. You can talk with Him. You can hear His voice. He can lead you. He can guide you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we've got to cultivate relationship with the Holy Spirit. My God, if each one here would learn to cultivate a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit, every day of your life, you will smell like God. You will talk like God. You will act like God. You will see like God. You do the things that God does. Come on, say amen. Amen. Have you realized that the person you spend most of your time with, you look like, you talk like, you behave like? Have you realized that? In actual fact, I think people have come to the place now where they discover that if you've been married for a long time, you tend to look alike. Because this is this one person, now you spent 20 years of your life, 30 years, 40, of your life and just being together, and you know, you get to the place where you don't want to speak with words, but your spouse understands you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're sitting in the midst of a bunch of people. You want to say something to your spouse, but you don't want to say it in words. You just look at her. She understands. Because the person you spend most of your time with, you understand. The person you spend most of your time with, you behave like, you look like, you talk like. Even with your kids, have you noticed that when you raise up your kids, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Have you realized that when you're raising up your kids, your kids pray like you? They use the same vocabularies you use. They use the same words, the same terms, the same things you say. Is that correct? Because those you spend most of your time with, you be like, you talk like, you smell like, you resemble. You, if you don't smoke cigarettes, I believe no one smokes cigarette here. I hope not. Uh, but when you, when you hang out with people that smoke, you smell like smoke. Is that correct? In actual fact, it damages you more than the one who is smoking. And you just leave them, and you feel like you have to take off your clothes because you're smelling like smoke. One day, I remember, this was many years ago, I went out to outreach and evangelize. um, And I went to this place where a lot of Africans would congregate back in those days. And I hung out with a few people, my God, they were smoking. And uh, when I came back to the office, the moment I walked in, Pastor Corey said, What's this? You smell like smoke. Where have you been? (laughs) Where have you been? You smell like smoke. Yes, I smelled like smoke because I was hanging out with people who smoke cigarettes. I wasn't smoking with them. I was ministering to them. That's a good place to say amen. amen. But you see, that was when Jesus was anointed. Right there in the Jordan as the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was anointed. So there was a place, there was a time when Jesus was anointed. I Everyone say there was, there was a place. Say there was a time, was a time. When, Jesus when, Jesus was when Jesus was anointed. You know he was Jesus from 1 to 29. But he became Jesus the Christ at the age of 30. He was Jesus from 1 to 29, but he became Jesus the Christ. Because the word Christ in the Greek, it's Christos. It means the anointed one, and he's anointing. So he became Jesus the anointed one at the age of 30. Praise God. And the moment he was anointed of the Holy Spirit... He was led by the Holy Spirit into where? The wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And after the temptation, the Bible says he came back in the power of the Spirit. Praise God. So we understand that the anointing is not just the presence of God. The anointing is also the power of God. <laughs> You can't say you have the power of God if you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, the Holy Spirit is the power of the Godhead. It was the Holy Spirit that went into the tomb of Christ where he had been laid and buried and he entered into the body, the dead body, and he put everything together and brought about a resurrection. The Holy Ghost. For the Bible says, If the Spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead so we understand it was the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. If the Spirit of Him that raised Christ from the dead, notice what it says, dwells within you. He shall quicken and make alive your mortal, short the body by the same Spirit that dwells in you. So every born-again believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now don't get me wrong. Acts chapter 2, is a totally different ballgame. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But every believer has the Holy Ghost. Because you couldn't be born again without the Holy Spirit. I believe it's John 3, right? I believe it's verse 5. For whatsoever, or verse 6, for whatsoever is born of... No. Spirit. It's what? And whatsoever is born of the flesh. Flesh. So you can't say you are born again without the Holy Spirit. Because your born again experience happened when the Holy Spirit gave birth to you. My God. You were born by the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why I have emphasized over and again that we are like the Holy Spirit. Because if you were born by the Holy Spirit, it means you are like the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are the house of God? That the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now Acts 2 is a totally different ballgame. That's why Jesus said to them in Acts 1, don't go out to do anything until you are Endowed with power. So stay until the promise of the Father is fulfilled. So the born again experience is one thing. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a whole different ballgame. Totally different. I look at it as a well and I look at the other as the river. No one said the well. said the river. river. When you are born again, you have a well. For with joy, we shall draw water out of the well of salvation. Salvation. You are born again. You are saved. There is a well. But when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, or when you are endowed with the baptism of fire, and power you now have a river it was a river. a river The the apostles were born again Jesus came to them after resurrection and he said receive ye the Holy Spirit that was salvation see no one could be born again until Jesus had died, resurrected, went to heaven and showed himself to the Father and took his blood and put it over the mercy seat in heaven, right? Now the sin of men will no more be covered like it was under the Old Testament. The sin of men will be blotted out. For now, we don't offer blood of bulls and goats like they did. The blood of Christ has been offered once and for all. I want to say once and for all. Once and for all, the blood of Jesus Christ was offered on the mercy seat of heaven. And he took his blood and he was the high priest. And it was his blood. Not the blood of a goat. Not the blood of a lamb. But he was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So he took his blood and he was the high priest and he went to the mercy seat in heaven. That is the reason why when he resurrected and the women came to see him before he went to heaven, he said, don't touch me for I have not appeared before my father. The work is not complete. Don't touch me now. Wait. Wait until I get to heaven and when he goes to heaven he offers his blood on the mercy seat now men can be born again and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit came out from the most holy place a building made with the hands of men never to go back into that place but the moment he came out of that place now we become his house we become his tabernacle we become the place where he resides for everyone that receives Christ into their lives, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell on the inside of you. That's why Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come to you and he'll never leave you. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. And so we see that the price of was paid and the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross and he took that blood and he offered it on the mercy seat of heaven and he comes back to earth and he meets with his disciples. First time he met with them, Thomas was not there. Is that correct? And Thomas said, no, uh, I'm not going to believe. I wouldn't believe until I put my hand in the print of the nail in his hand. Until I stick my hand into his side where they pierced him. Until I touch him, I wouldn't believe. That is some people's faith. <coughs> it's called head faith. It's called uh, sense faith. Your five physical sense, senses. The touch, the sight, the 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 taste. The hearing, until I hear, until I perceive, until I touch, until I taste. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Like, Lord, uh, let me taste. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the way some people, this is the faith of some people. It's Thomas' faith. And so Jesus shows up. When they were all gathered in the the room, and boom, Jesus comes and he says, Thomas, I'm here now. Come and touch and believe. Stop doubting. Blessed is he that has not seen yet believe. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. See, this this is why a lot of people don't understand the walk of faith. They don't understand what we have as Christians. They they don't understand it because we we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. I say we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We, We don't operate by how we feel, by what we see, by what we touch. No, no, by what we taste and perceive. No, we operate by faith. By faith. Thomas, touch me and believe and stop doubting. So Jesus says to them, Now, guys, listen to me. Don't do anything. Until. Someone say until. Until Until you are endued with power. (laughs) So, Jesus goes to heaven on the Mount of Olivet and of course the Bible says he shall return again. And he, like I was saying earlier on, he shall set up his throne in Jerusalem. Pastor God, I don't believe it. It doesn't change anything. (laughs) He is going to (laughs) come. He's going to come. He will come. He will set up his throne and the Bible says he will Rule the world with a rod of iron. 1,000 millennia reign of Christ. And the Bible says at this time, the lamb and the lion shall lie together. You know this thing people talk about peace? Let's hold our hands and sing, We are the world. <laughs> we are the children. Let's hold our hands and sing, Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Listen, the world will never know peace like God gives until Jesus sets his throne. Did you hear what I just said? All this peacekeeping thing, and I'm not against you, do your peacekeeping thing. All this, you know, know, United thing, you do your stuff. But listen, the world will never know peace until Jesus sets his throne. Jesus himself said, in this world you shall have what? Uh, all of you pew people know. In this world you shall have what? The word tribulations means trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God. So, you, you can somebody gets, somebody's getting blessed, so give God the glory. Amen. So, Peace would happen when Jesus sets his throne. Amen. I'm talking about peace to where lion and lamb would lie together. Praise God. Amen. And you and I who, who take part in the rapture, I want to be on the first flight. many <laughs> if I've heard of the rapture? That's what's known as the rapture of the church. For we we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise up first. And we, we, that are alive and remain, shall be caught up. The word caught up is rapture. That's the word cut up. We shall be cut up, we shall be raptured, we shall be changed. This mortality shall put on immortality. Just like that. We shall take off. And the Bible says we shall meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we? Always be with the Lord. And he says, comfort ye one another with these words. Because this word is not our home. So no matter, no matter what you're going through, hey, 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 it's going to be good. <laughs> I said, it's going to be good. Amen. It's going to be good. Amen. Praise God. No, nothing compares to what we are looking forward to. That is, the the rapture of the church is the next big event on the calendar of God. Peter was writing about this, and he said, for those that are mocking and saying, well, they kept saying the coming of the Lord is good, da 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 da. He said, listen, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day before the Lord. Now let's not get into all of that. If we get into all of that, I'll be I'll be teaching uh, eschatology. (laughs) So let's not get into eschatology, the study of the end times or the last days. But let's leave that alone. But a day is like a thousand, a thousand is like a day, which basically means that man has six days and the seven days coming. I just somebody got confused there. (laughs) The Lord God created everything in how many days? Seventh day, he did what? That's the millennial millennial reign. A day is like a thousand. A thousand like a day. One day of rest. That's what the church is going to go into. One thousand years. Okay, see, I said let's not go into that because if we do, some of you will be wondering, is it talking about the anointing? Okay, so... Today, just as we... It's a lot to say. Tell somebody there's a lot to say. How much time do I have? Let me look at this aspect of the anointing that we refer to as the transfer of the anointing. What is the transfer? Say the transfer of the anointing. So the anointing can be transferred. The anointing can be passed on. So, one of the best ways to describe the transfer of the anointing is using electricity. It was electricity. Now, all this time I've said a lot of things with regards to the anointing. But one of the things I've said is this that the anointing is the power of God. Is that correct? Okay, I've also said the anointing is the spiritual equipment to get the job done. So when God has something for you, he equips you. And the equipment is called the anointing. A lot of people are building their ministries or building everything on just their intellect. There's nothing wrong with your intellect. Your intellect is great, but there are things your intellect cannot handle. When it comes to spiritual things, your intellect can't do much. That's why Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he said to them, when I was with you, I was with you in weakness. My preachings were not in the persuasive words of man's wisdom, but they were in the demonstration of the spirit and power so your faith is not in the wisdom of men but your faith is in the power of God you know what he's trying to say what he's trying to say is all that you know intellectually will not help you when the going gets tough oh my god do you know that there are some times in life where all you know evaporates All your education, all your experience just evaporates. And you look at yourself, you wonder, what am I going to do? That is when you need the anointing. Come on now, say amen. Because there is nothing the anointing can solve. There is nothing the anointing can't do. It is the spiritual equipping we need to do what God's called us to do. So when we can't do it in the natural, then we switch over to the spiritual. My God. So your faith is not in the philosophies of men, in the wisdom of men. But your faith is established in the power of God. Because one with an experience is not at the mercy of one with an argument. I've experienced it. You can't change me. Can someone say amen? Amen. So this power can be transferred like electricity, and you know with electricity if you have any basic, just basic, I didn't study electrical, electronics, engineering, but I have just basic understanding of electricity. And the basic understanding I have about electricity is the the voltage is invisible to the natural eyes. But the fact that it is invisible don't mean it does not exist. (laughs) The current, the current, Cannot be seen with naked eyes. But that don't mean if you touch a naked wire. (laughs) Don't touch a naked wire. If you do, you may not live to tell the story. (laughs) And if you live to tell the story, your life will never be the same again. Excuse me. Don't ever, oh, pastor, I'm gonna. T-. Don't touch, don't touch, because the moment you do, you will conduct electricity. Because we understand also with electricity, the the the, the current is one thing we understand, though we don't see it, but it exists. Is that correct? Yeah. Now you can pull on that current. How do you pull on the current? You pull on the current by using what? A conductor. There are things that conduct electricity. You you are a good conductor. But it's just that it will not pass through you to the next thing. Because it will stop at you. You <laughs> a conductor. Notice it, con- it conducts, right? It's a pipe. It's like a. It's a, it's just like a. It's like a, a bridge between the electricity, the power, and the recipient, right? So it, it passes through the conductor. So when you connect the conductor to the to the electricity, the the current flows, and then it delivers power to this. Recipient, Now, the recipient is benefited because there is a flow of power. Is that right? Yeah. But you don't see this power. Do you see it? No, you don't see it, but it's working. Oh, it's lighting up a whole city. You see the results, but you don't see the current, but you feel the effect. Is that correct? You don't see wind, but you feel the effect of wind. Remember in John chapter 3, Jesus said, He that's born of the Spirit is spirit, right? And then he goes further to say that he that's born of the Spirit is unpredictable. You do not know where the wind bloweth. You don't know where the wind is going. He said that is the way of one born of the Spirit. They are unpredictable. But you can feel the effects. Come on now, say amen. Amen. So when this current flows into the conductor. The conductor conducts it. But there's also what we know as what? Resistor. A resistor is that which kills the current. It does not conduct the power. And I've looked at many in the church. I've seen conductors. And I've seen resistors. I've seen conductors, and I've seen what? Resistors. Here, we train you to be a conductor. You go to some places. Nobody's conducting anything. (laughs) That's why one of the things I learned in revival is preaching 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 and pounding and pounding and pounding the word until somebody wakes up and sometimes it takes three weeks sometimes you know you travel you want to do a revival meeting or revival meetings I'm sorry a series of meeting for like a week but you realize that a week is not enough because by the time you're done you had when dr. Sappho said I I feel like I, I feel like I need 14 more hours, 14 more weeks actually, 14 more days. I'm sorry. He said I just feel like I'm starting. Can you get to a place where you see that it's happening, but the conference is over, and then you leave people like, oh, why? We should continue. Yeah, we can continue if you bring bring the money. We can go back and <laughs> continue. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. But you see, sometimes you just have to keep preaching and pounding and preaching and pounding. And don't look at one of the things I learned, Pastor Rodney said, don't look at the faces of the people. In actual fact, most of the times that they are not responding is because they're finding it difficult to process what they are listening. (laughs) Because sometimes we want people to, yeah, 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 hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. But sometimes some people shout hallelujah, amen, they got nothing. <laughs> and I'm not against ah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. But, but sometimes people just shout for nothing. Yeah. Some, some people just want to be seen. <laughs> hallelujah, amen, I got it. But ask them, what, what was pastor's topic? Five minutes after the service. What did Pastor preach? Um uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) But all these years I've seen conductors and I've seen resistors. But we want you to be a good conductor. Once I'm a good conductor. Of God's, power. of God's power. Say it again I'm a good, I'm a good conductor, conductor of, the of, of the power of God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I remember this story. Um, I started preaching in the congregation, in our French congregation. This was many years ago. I know I've told this story, but it's okay to tell it again. I'm teaching on the anointing, so why not? And uh, I finished preaching one evening, this was back then we were doing the French service on a Monday, and so I finished preaching on this Monday evening, and I lined everyone up here, those that needed prayer, they lined up, and I began to lay my hands on them, I began to lay my hands, and don't forget I said the presence or the anointing of God can be what? Transferred, good. So the anointing is transferable, right? So, I began to lay my hands on them for a transference of the anointing. And as I would lay my hands on them, I realized that they were not receiving. Now, the question is, how do you know they were not receiving? Or how did you know they were not receiving? Or how do you know people are not receiving, even as you minister? It's a spiritual thing, to be honest with you. And honestly, I don't really know how to put it in human terminology until you have flowed in the anointing and then you would know when people receive it and when people don't. Remember the case of the woman with the issue of blood who came behind Jesus and he, and sorry, she touched. What did she touch? The the hem of Jesus' garment and the moment she touched what happened? Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? Peter said, Lord, why are you asking that question? Everybody's touching you. Was everybody touching him? Yes, because he was in the midst of a multitude of people. People were bumping into Jesus, right, left, and center. Jesus was great. This was his this um, year of popularity in ministry where everyone was coming. Bumping into him, touching him, and everybody was touching him. So Peter was right when he said, Master, why are you asking that question? Everyone is touching you. And, and Judas Iscariot said, Lord, check your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> check your pocket. Check your pocket. Somebody may, have, somebody may have touched your pocket and picked your money. Be careful. And Thomas said, I doubt if anyone touched you. <laughs> I doubt, I doubt if anyone But but watch this now. Jesus said, Who touched my clothes? For virtue. The word there virtue is dunamis. That's the same word in Acts 1:8. You shall receive power. The word there's power, dunamis, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Right? So who touched me for a felt virtue, power, dynamite power, flowed out of me. Come on now, say amen. So it means that you would know when the anointing flows out of you. You can know when the anointing flows out of you into the next person. You can know. Because Jesus knew. And the woman, notice, the woman, the Bible says, the woman felt in her body that the plague had stopped. Oh my God. So, we can say this way, Jesus felt it leave him and the woman felt it enter her. There is a transference of the anointing. There is a transference of the anointing. So, We understand this we understand this there is a transference of the anointing say there's a transference of the anointing the moment this woman felt that this power floating to her the Bible says and the flow of her blood dried up stopped that moment who touched me and the Bible says the woman came trembling and fell before Jesus and said, I did. And Jesus made a profound statement. Oh, daughter. What did he call her? Daughter. How old was Jesus? How old was Jesus? He was 30. 30, 31. 32. Around that age. Because we know he died at 33 and a half, yeah? Thirty, thirty-one. 31 He calls her a daughter. My daughter, daughter. Spiritual parenting has nothing to do with age. Amen. You may be 50 and you're birthed by a 30-year-old. Come on now, shout amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Maybe I dive out a little bit. It's time for you to start having children in this church but not the ones that are here already. Go bring your own. I'm not talking natural children. I'm talking about spiritual children. For when you lead somebody to Christ, you birth them in Christ. Come on now, say amen. amen. Paul said you have many teachers, but you have, you have only one father. Many teach you, but there is only one father. Come on now, say amen. amen. It's time for you to begin to have spiritual children. Some people are so busy about their own life, they care about nobody else. It's time to grow the kingdom of God. It's time to win souls. It's time to go out there and... Come on now, say amen. amen. It's time to birth. Amen. And now for the natural, you can also, if you're married, have children. Multiply. Bring them, we dedicate them. We're moving to a new place. We need more people. (laughs) And that is what we call natural church growth. Praise God. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. God." So who touched me? I did. And the moment she did, the flow of her blood stopped. So there is a transfer. So let me go back to the story. So I lay hands on these people, the the French-speaking people, and feel nothing. Nothing was coming. Feel nothing. Feel something. Feel nothing. Feel something. Feel nothing. nothing. Just a couple of people. That's exactly, you know, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, right? And what did they say? Is this not Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph? Are his brothers and sisters not with us? Is he not a capping dog? Did he not play football with my son on the street? (laughs) Did, did 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 he not build my kitchen table? Who is he? Who does he think he is? (laughs) Telling us the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he hath anointed me to preach a gospel to Paul. And the Bible says. They did not receive him. And because they did not receive him in faith. The Bible says he could not do mighty works. In Nazareth. Why? Because of their unbelief. So unbelief would stop. The flow of the current. I say unbelief will stop the flow of the current. So when I put my hand on people to pray. And there is unbelief. It cuts the flow of the current. The woman came in faith. And Jesus made a profound statement. Daughter, your faith has made you all. Go and be healed of your plague. She had faith. Faith draws. Faith is the key to draw on the anointing. Come on now, say amen. 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 So I, 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 I did not really think a lot about what I experienced with the French speakers until my translator, Pastor Didier Kalambayi, who is now the pastor of the River Church in Kinshasa, Congo. He says, Pastor God, do you know why they did not receive? I said, no. It said they were indoctrinated back in a country, their country, Congo. Not everybody. Not everybody. I'm not saying it's a general thing, but some specific people. They were told that if you fall under the power of God, when a man of God lays his hands on you, it means you have a demon. <laughs> I never heard it anyway I would not say I never heard anything like that because I have really heard stuff like that before I even came from Nigeria we had that old concept the person who is always falling down there is something wrong with him so you have a demon that's why you fell down So, oh, okay. I need to take care of this religious brainwash. I need to take care of this religious mentality. Because as a man think it, so is a man. So every time I would call these guys up to pray for them and lay hands on them, guess what they have decided? I will not fall. (laughs) Pastor God will, you can lay your hands all you want. I'm not going down. Because if I go down, the people in the church will just run me down. And they'll tell everybody in the neighborhood that I have a devil. So I won't fall so that nobody thinks I'm possessed with a demon. So they had what we call a preconceived idea. A preconceived idea, it's most of the times... The biggest hindrance to the move of God. When I came to the river, the first time I walked into this place into the church, back then it was in a hotel, the presence of God was as thick. So thick it felt you could actually cut it with a knife. The atmosphere was charged. But there was something happening that I didn't understand. It was called joy. People were laughing. Ha 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 ha. All over the hotel. Everywhere people were laughing. And I came in and I didn't understand. Why are people ha 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 ha. Pastor Curry just ministering. Ha 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 ha. People were laughing. Guess what? I felt so peaceful with that. This head did not understand it, but this heart loved it. Amen. You don't get it with this. See this, See this one? Yeah. That's what Paul was saying. So, you are, so that your faith is not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Amen. So my heart loved it. I received it. I, this is Home this is so good because the presence of God is home. The presence of God is home. This is amazing. I didn't understand it. Over the years, I've had people, it has stopped really because um, I think um, people like that have been flushed out of the church. People can't have What is this joy? People are laughing in the church all the time. Leave if you don't like it. Why are you causing trouble here? We love it. Joy is good. I like to laugh. You like your depression. Take, keep it with you. Yeah, Keep your depression with you. I like to laugh. I want joy. I have had so much depression in the past. I can't have none of that. I want ha 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 ha. But that's not in the Bible. Shut up. Who said it's not in the Bible? The Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And if the Lord has done great things for you, my God, He has put joy on your heart. He has put laughter in your mouth. And the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I would rather have joy 24-7 than have one moment of depression. Joy is good. Depression is bad. My God, I've seen depressed people. Oh, God. Negativity is peering out from everywhere. I don't want depression. I want joy. Come on. The Bible says when again, the Bible does not say when it turned against the and give them depression. No, he give them joy. Amen. Does not say the depression of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full Amen. of glory. Ha. See, you notice it says joy unspeakable. In other words, this is joy you cannot explain. Amen. It's unspeakable. Ka-ha-ha, <laughs> malihita. And yeah, (laughs) it begins to bubble forth out of your belly. Ha, ha, for out of your belly shall flow forth. Reverse, 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 not river, but reverse, reverse. One of the rivers that flow out of your belly is joy, joy, joy. Joy. Oh, this church, people say, listen, you see the way we minister, it looks like we're not serious. We are very serious about joy. Just think about that. We're very serious about this joy, <laughs> amen. amen. And you know the Bible also says in Galatians five twenty two, for the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Are you not amazed that joy comes second? Go look at the list. It's love, joy, love, joy, love, joy, love, joy, and it's a fruit. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in your spirit. Who wants to walk in love every day? Some people don't. Love. Who wants to walk in joy every day? But you see, joy has a voice. Joy has what? A voice. I said, God, well, I'm so joyful today. <laughs> the joy of the Lord. My strength. I'm not angry. I'm full of joy. Look, if you are full of joy, notify your face. <laughs> see, see this man here? He's notifying his face. If, if it's inside, it will come out. And is it not interesting that you don't pay for this thing? You don't pay. You see, people are so depressed, they go pay 50 bucks, 100 dollars, 200 dollars for three hours of uh, stand-up comedian. And this comedian talks nonsense. All kinds of... St- <laughs> So I'm hit the, the nail on the head. All kinds of vulgarisms that comes out of them. And uh, people are laughing. <laughs> 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 people, are la- people are laughing. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at filth and immorality and nonsense and stuff that does not even glorify God. Uh, they're laughing and they walk out of the place. It's a two-hour laughter. They walk out of the place. They go back to their depression. But this joy will set you free. This one, when you receive this joy, there's no hangover. In actual fact, when you wake up the next day, you wake up refreshed. Why? Because while you were in joy, he is anointing your head with fresh oil. And your cup is running over. And then goodness and mercy follows you this whole week. Come on now, say amen. amen. And he sets a table before you in the very presence of your... And those enemies that hate you, they don't want you to succeed, the Lord will set up a table right in front, right in front of them. In other words, Eat my son, eat my daughter, and enjoy yourself and let them foam in the mouth all the one, but they can do nothing to you because the Lord is with you, and if the Lord be for you, none can be against you. Come on now, say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So, what am I gonna do to help these French guys receive? Because now they said if they fall down, they have a demon. So I get my notes ready. I prepare myself. Because the only way you can deal with unbelief is by the word. For faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So I get my verses and scripture references. Started all the way from Genesis. And I ran all the way from Genesis to Revelation. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I kept showing them. I started with Adam. Adam, boom, deep sleep. What do you call it? That falling under the anointing. When when God's presence overpowers you, you won't you would lose control. The Adam lost control because the presence of God came upon him, and God took a rib out and closed this back, built this beautiful woman. And Adam wakes up, did not even realize. Did you hear what I said? No pain, nothing. And he sees this woman. His eyes are open now. Huh. He said, hey, this is the bone of my bones. He, he got a revelation. nobody told him Nobody. he got the revelation this is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh and Adam said she shall be called a woman for she was taken out of a man revelation anointing will give you revelation when you are under the power of God revelation comes praise God there are things that God wants to create in your life under the anointing he takes that and he builds it And he brings it to you. And then he wakes you up. And you're like, ah, my God. I take them to Abraham. Abraham said, Lord, how will I know my children will possess the land? And the Bible says a great terror from the Lord came upon Abraham. Are you listening to me? Boom. He falls into a deep sleep. And the voice of the Lord came and began to tell him, Your children shall be in bondage for 400 400 years. And I'll come and judge a nation where they'll be in bondage. And then I'll bring them out and I'll give them this land. Under the power of God. A vision for his future is revealed. (laughs) Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Take them to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And in the year when King Uzziah died... I saw the, the the glory of God and the train of his glory. And Isaiah talked about how he sees this wonderful, wonderfulness of God. And then he cries out, mm-hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And the Bible says, A cherubim took a coal of fire and put it on his lips and said, Your iniquity is cleansed. Under the power of God, he fell out and Everything that held him in bondage was removed. (laughs) So you can go on and on. I knew a man 14 years ago, whether it's out of the body or in the body, I do not know. But this man was caught up to the third heavens. I knew a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. This man went to paradise and saw things that you cannot utter. Bible scholars believe Paul was talking about himself. Under the anointing, God shows you things that you could not see with your naked eyes. Finishing off with the book of Revelation, John on the island of Patmos saw the glorified Christ. And he said, when I looked at him, I fell before him as a dead man. That's the anointing. When the power of God comes upon you, you lose control. You fall out as a dead man. Some people use the the term slain under the power of God. So anyway, I took the time and I showed them these verses in the Bible and I said, can you see, these people did not have demons. You don't fall out because you have a demon. And I said, listen people, even if you have a demon, fall out and let the demon go. (laughs) (laughs) Is it not better that way? Just fall out and let the devil go. At least you will know that you're going to get up totally delivered by the power of God. Come on I say amen. Come on I say Amen. Come on, I say amen. Amen. So there are ways to transmit the anointing. Laying on of hands is one of those ways as we see in Acts 19. Right? Paul came to the region of Ephesus and he met 12 men. And he asked them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, We haven't heard anything about the Holy Spirit. He said, In whose baptism were you baptized? They said, In the baptism of John. He said, Yeah, John truly baptized with water unto repentance. But he talked about one who is coming after him. And when he told them about this, the Bible said he laid his hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost and began to prophesy. Laying on of hands is one of those ways. Is that correct? You shall lay your hands upon the sick, and they shall what? Notice, don't say you pray for the sick. He said you lay your hands upon them. The example here we see is Jesus comes into the house of Peter, and the Bible says Peter's mother-in-law was down with fever, and Jesus, bring your hand, please, touched her. Did not pray. Touched her. When he touched her, there was a transfer. He didn't pray. He only touched her. You shall lay your hand on the sick, and they will recover. Because when you lay your hands, there's going to be a transfer of the anointing, and when the anointing goes into their body, the sickness must leave. Jesus also spat in the ground. Very unconventional. (laughs) Spits in the ground, he made, right? Made clay. Put the eyes of the blind man. Nothing special about the mud or the clay. It's just a point of contact. Did you get that? Just a point of contact. Because the anointing stays in materials. So he said, go and wash. While he was going, the anointing was working. And he washed. And he sees. Come on now, say amen. amen. In Acts 19, I think, I believe verse 11, it says, And God walked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, that from his body aprons or handkerchiefs were taken and put upon the sick and the demon possessed, and they were healed. In other words... The anointing stays in it. James 5, Is any sick among you, let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with what? Oil. Pardon? Oil. Now, there's nothing special about the oil. But I'm not cut out with this whole. Pastor, I'm bringing my bottle of oil. Pray for. Me. I'm not praying for your bottle of oil, because a lot of people have actually made this. This is turned into idol worship. They've put so much attention on the oil. The Bible does not say the oil will heal you. Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Notice anointing him with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, not the oil. The oil is a point of contact to release your faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and if they have committed sin, God will forgive them. Confess your sins one to another. Pray one for another that your sin may be forgiven you for the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Come on now, say amen. amen. Put oil on them. Years ago, I was here minding my business on a Saturday, uh, rehearsal, music rehearsal. Somebody comes to call me. Pastor Godwell, there is a man in coma. Uh, can you please come and pray for him? He's in coma in Shishili et And so I had a witness in my spirit, take a bottle of oil. We have oil, oil in the office. Take a bottle of anointing oil and go. The anointing oil, it's just an—it's oil. Some are scented, but there's nothing special. Come on now, I'm preaching now. Because some of you go to places where they tell you to buy oil and take it you to your home and drink oil and do all kinds of things and bathe with oil, <laughs> and uh, you- some of you go to places where every su- every last month of the every last Sunday of the month they anoint you with oil. <laughs> <laughs> and some some are good places, but some it's nothing but just oil on your head. Yeah, it's anointing service, but no anointing. It's oil. And your face is shining at the end of the service, but (laughs) nothing real. Nothing really. Nothing of substance was deposited. The oil is nothing. It's just oil. Just like this piece of rag is nothing but a piece of rag. But when it touches an anointed man, an anointed woman and it's, the anointing is released into it by faith, then the anointing is what makes it relevant. By itself, it's not. Do you get my point? Yes. Somebody came to me, brought two bottles of oil. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not praying about your two bottles of oil, because now you're seeing the, the bottle of oil as the God. No, no, I'm not praying over your bottle. Take your bottle of oil away from this place. Anoint them with oil, pray over them, and all of that. So there are so many. The shadow of Peter, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and God walked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. But when you come to Acts chapter 5, it says, By the hands of the apostles, in verse 12, were many signs and wonders done among the people, and they were all together in Solomon's porch. The Bible says that they brought out the sick and the maimed and the demon-possessed and put them on the streets. Perhaps the shadow of Peter may fall upon them, and everyone that the shadow of Peter fell upon was set free. It's a point of contact. Nothing special about the shadow. Let's not make a big deal out of these things. The big deal is him. The big one is him. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Transfer of the anointing. So, I'm teaching this because I want you guys to understand these things, we can flow in the anointing. And, and become hungry for the anointing. This Wednesday, join us in our midweek service, and we shall lay hands on people, because Sundays sometimes you really can lay hands on a lot of people, but Wednesdays, we can lay hands on any, everything that moves <laughs> for a transfer. Everyone a transfer. Come on, Come on now, say amen. 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 Has anyone been blessed today? Yes. Give God the glory. <laughs> Praise God.